0: This is recording number 11084, from the Teaching Ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, January 5, 2014. This is the first message in a series titled, The Dynamic Disciplines. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, Bible Reading. Truing the Compass. We're going to begin a series of messages today called the Dynamic Disciplines. Now, I like the first one of those words, dynamic, uh, because it means living or lively, moving, um, and uh, I, the opposite of that wouldn't be a good thing, dead, static, so I like the word dynamic. I'm not so happy about the second word, disciplines. Disciplines. Um, <throat> But I think you would uh, recognize, as I do, that nothing of importance or significance happens in our lives or in our world without somebody exercising some discipline. You exercised some discipline this morning to get here. You get to work on time requires discipline to make sure you don't end up in bankruptcy. requires requires some measure of discipline, right? I mean, discipline uh, is required to get through school. It's uh, you know all of those all of the things that um, people. Uh, aspire to are going to require some form of dis- discipline. So it is, shouldn't be a surprise to us that those of us who want to be followers of Christ and to do so in a <clears throat> full-throated, wholehearted way, that there might be some things uh, of discipline involved in that. And so we're going to talk about five. Now, there's no, there's no place and I could take you to in the Scripture today where there's going to be a list of five, seven, twelve, fifteen, you know, uh, disciplines of the faith, but if you take the Bible in its, in its, uh, as a whole, you can't help but encounter some, some things that are kind of uh, essential to the life of a believer, to the healthy life of a believer. If you've ever read the biographies of any uh, great men and women of faith, uh, people that you would admire for their... their uh, uh, their Christian testimony, their life of godliness in this world, if you get anywhere below the surface of this story, you're going to find that they were men and women of discipline, spiritual discipline, and at least these five that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. If you want to be someone who's, who makes a mark in the name of Jesus as you make your way through this world, these disciplines are going to be part of your life. And so we're going to talk about them. Today, uh, Bible reading, and we're, we're going to look at it in light of truing the compass. Next week, prayer, deepening the relationship. The week after that, a fellowship, sharing the experience. The week after that, evangelism, investing the treasure. And on March 2nd, I'm giving you a month's warning. We're going to be talking about giving, loosening the grip. So you can plan your vacation right now. Every year I try to, um, you know, all joking aside, it really bugs me that the enemy has so messed up our understanding about these things that I almost have to apologize to talk about something so important in our lives, so freeing, so valuable. Um, but I try to do it once a year because of that uh, of that uh, issue that is just so important. So on that day, we're going to be talking about loosening the grip. But today, uh, Bible reading, and we're going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we're going to begin reading at verse 14. 2 Timothy 3, verse 14. The books of 1 and 2 Timothy are written by the Apostle Paul, uh, instructing, mentoring his son in the faith, Timothy. But as he was writing these words, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he was also mentoring us. He was also teaching us. And so this is not just to Timothy. This is to us. And he says, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from, you, from whom you have learned them. And that... From childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. I want to be that guy. Complete. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. And this passage says all scripture is given for that purpose. So, I mean, there's, none of you would disagree with the fact that if you, when I say, or you wouldn't disagree with what I say now, when I say that if you're going to be a follower of Christ, if you're going to be someone who, purs- who pursues God passionately, how can it be but that the word of God becomes important? You can't ignore the this book and be, uh, you know... A follower of Christ it just can't be and so I'm I, I know we're all in agreement with that and I'm also making another assumption that you are uh, today in agreement with the fact that what we hold in our hands there or are looking at on that screen is the inerrant word of God that this is from God and that in uh, its original manuscripts it was without errors that has been that has come down to us a reliable book that gives to us the word of God. I'm making that assumption. It might not be true for you today, and that's okay. But, I, but I'm not going to defend that today. I'm not, although it's, it's, uh, it can be uh, profoundly defended, but I'm not going to do that today because that's beyond the scope of this message. I'm assuming we are in agreement with the fact that this is the word of God and that it is inerrant. Now, you know, I had a... Uh, when I was first in ministry, the first church that Sue and I pastored in the, in the East Bay in the city of Pleasanton, we had a guy in our church who was a very successful businessman. And, and beyond that, he was also a very uh, successful triathlete. You know, these guys that run, bike, and swim. Ever heard of the Ironman competition in Honolulu, Hawaii? Anybody? Okay. He was one of those guys. You know they they swim like a thousand miles, and then they they, they run to the you know I it, anyway, I went one time and watched him uh, compete in a triathlon, a, a smaller one I think it was a half uh, triathlon, and um, it was so hard to watch because I just felt like such a loser. you know I mean <laughs> these guys are so profoundly fit and uh, you know. So I admired, I mean, th- look, th- this guy one time, he ran from Lake Tahoe to San Francisco. I can barely get around the block. I mean, it's like, what? This guy, you know, and, and his, his athletic pursuits was, you know, off the charts. But so, like I said, was his business acumen and many other areas of, of his life He was a profoundly, obviously a profoundly disciplined person. One day, though, I was talking to him about his spiritual life. And we were talking about these things. And he said to me, he said, Pastor, with regard to Bible reading, prayer, fellowship, those things, I'm a zero. I'm a zero. And my jaw dropped. I thought, how can that be? In so many other areas of your life, you uh, can you pursue with such discipline and yet the things that matter most. When all is said and done and this life is over, and by the way, this life, the Bible says, is like a vapor of smoke. When this life is over and you stand before God on the threshold of eternity, zero ain't going to cut it. I mean, I don't mean to insinuate that our our home in heaven is based on what we do. It is not. It's based on the cross of Christ and his sacrifice for us only. But as far as your own heart and as far as your own preparation for spending eternity with God to arrive with zero discipline engaged in the things that matter, I don't want to be that guy. So, in these weeks together, we're going to talk about the things that I think... Now look, look, look. You can take one look at me and figure out that if there are some areas of discipline that I, I might improve in as well, <laughs> right? Um, and I don't deny that. But whatever it is that you are giving your attention to in your life, maybe you've come to the threshold of 2014 and you've decided you're going to lose weight, you're going to uh, you know, complete your education, you're going to get fit, whatever. Do all that. But don't forget the dynamic disciplines, beginning with Bible reading. Now, this passage that we just read tells us two things that I want to, at least two things that I want to focus in on today, and then a third that uh, will just come out of my own experience. I want to talk to you today, first of all, about how the, that the Bible is prophetic. <clears throat> Paul, writing to Timothy here, he says that, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. When I say the Bible is prophetic, I don't mean that it's just talking about things in the future. I mean that it's God speaking. And when Paul said, all all scripture is given by inspiration of God, that word that's been translated into inspiration in our English Bibles, it comes from a Greek word that literally means God breathes. This book that you hold in your hands or are viewing on a screen is the breath of God. It's not just some old book you grabbed off the shelf. This is the breath of God. It is unlike any other thing in this world. It is a treasure. And I want to talk to you briefly about how we think about the inspiration, the prophetic nature of the Word of God because uh, likely what I'm going to say in the next few minutes just to, to kind of acknowledge something that will become obvious is probably not going to be all that earth-shattering for you. But it's important. Because how we think about the inspiration of God will affect how we treat it. How we value it. What we do with it. And there are three basic ways that people think about the inspiration of God. Or the inspiration of the scriptures. And I want to just kind of talk about that briefly. The first one I want to talk about is that the, that the Bible is inspired... Uh, according to the verbal dictation view. And I think this is probably the, the, the most predominant view that people have about the inspiration of Scripture. When I say that the Bible is inspired, most people think of this view, which is that God uh, got a hold of some guys, Moses, Peter, John, Matthew, and uh, began to dictate to them, and they, just like automatons, began to write down, you know, as secretaries transcribing their boss's message. But that uh, view of the inspiration of Scripture is, in my view, limited, narrow. It doesn't fully capture it. Because when you open this book, you immediately (sighs) catch the scent of humanity that's here. The context, the character, the culture, the events of the times. You you catch that without, you can't help it. Humans. Humans are engaged in this process. The scent of humanity is here. And so, the verbal dictation view accounts for the the divinity of the inspiration of scriptures, but not the humanity. So it's insufficient in my view. The second view of the inspiration of the scriptures that people hold is the um, inspired concept view. And that means that God gave to the people who penned these words, the concepts. He was the force behind the ideas, behind the, the um, principles, uh, you know, all of that. But he left it to them to determine how to communicate it. And to me, this is insufficient as well because it um, makes room for error, if if the human beings were left to figure it out for themselves, then how can you really trust this? I mean, maybe somewhere in here there's hints of what God intended, but I mean, how can I really be sure that this is really what God wanted us to know? I don't think that the the um, inspired concept view is is. Uh, Worthy because it, dis- it diminishes the Bible's reliability. The last of these three is called the plenary verbal view. And this is what I believe uh, is important for us to understand. Plenary means every, verbal means word. Every word of the scriptures is exactly the way God wants it to be. But there was a partnership with human beings... So God, the Bible says that holy men of old were carried along by the Holy Spirit in this process of, tra- of giving us the word of God. And so there is human um, partnership in the delivery of this scripture. But in the end, God made certain that every single word was exactly what he intended to be. And that captures, I to me, uh, the both the human personality and the reliability and inerrancy of the scriptures. And because that's so, because we have a reliable, inerrant word of God to, cut, to um, uh, study, to read, to absorb, to, to hold, this is a very, very, very precious book. Now let's move on to something else that Paul says to Timothy in this passage. Because not only does he, does he say that the Bible is prophetic. But he also says the Bible is profitable. And profitable in four ways. He says that the, the, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Doctrine. It's profitable for doctrine. Doctrine is teaching. In other words, that that book that you hold in your hands or have, have before you on the screen there, the Bible gives us everything we need to know about God. Anybody seen God physically lately? Probably not. But we have in the word of God, we have everything we need to know about him. And that's important. That's important. Now look, it's not everything we want to know. But it is everything we need to know. You know, uh, John, the Apostle John, exiled to the island of Patmos. He was, you know, imprisoned there for for his faith. He had a vision from God, and that vision uh, is the book of Revelation that closes the canon of the Scripture. While this vision is going on, and and John is uh, trying to, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, record for us uh, these magnificent scenes and events and, and so on, uh, there comes a point where he's watching something unfold and he goes to write it, and the angel that's kind of conducting him through this, this um, journey says to him, don't write that. So we know we have at least that that could be known about God that we don't know. But I got a feeling there's a whole lot of stuff about that God knows and a whole lot of stuff about God that could be known that we aren't we don't know and have no need to know yet. But everything we need to know about God is right there before you. Everything we need to know about God is profitable for doctrine. It's profitable for reproof. Reproof means Uh, refutation of error listen dear one all around you all around you from every angle of your life error is coming at you error false truth lies anybody nah I won't even go into it I know the answer you all have I was going to say anybody ever felt as though you've been lied to by our culture The Bible stands as a, ref- as a refutation of that error. When I live my life according to this, I will be walking in truth. When the world tells me uh, otherwise, I have the truth. I don't have to go that way. It's also profitable for correction. Now, I know that sometimes people see that and... And they think, oh, well, the Bible is sort of like God's, you know, paddle. <laughs> mm-hmm. And when I step out of line, you know, he's smacking me with it. And, you know, this is a pretty heavy book. It could do a pretty good job of that if that was what God intended, except that's not what he intends. Correction means, the, the word cor- uh, correction there in this context means res- restoration to the intended state. You know, as we make our way through life, we get bent up pretty bad. Anybody ever had a, uh, an alignment done on your car or your wheels uh, balanced? Why do we do that? We do that because unless we do, uh, our, we're going to be rolling down the road when our wheels, sh- you know, shimmying and shaking, and they're going to wear out fast, and they're not going to do what they're supposed to do. It's going to be an unsafe condition. Well, look, well, as we make our way through this life, a lot of us are kind of going down a <laughs> road like this, right? So true. <laughs> but when I stare into this book, I find what I need to get straightened out. Um, it, when, when, when I imbibe, when I drink in the Word of God, and it begins to circulate through my life, it starts to... starts to bend back the stuff that's out of shape, the things that have gotten warped and twisted. It begins to unravel all that, unwind it, untie the knots, bring balance. Hang out in the Word of God for a while and watch what it does to your life. It's it's profitable for correction. It's also profitable for instruction. Instruction uh, has to do with Guidance for righteous living. You know, there's, there's a lot of times when I, I'm not sure what would be the righteous thing to do. You know, we've sloganized it, and we have the, what is it, WW, whatever it is. What would Jesus do, right? WWJD. And I, want, I ask that a lot. What would Jesus do in this situation? What is the right thing to do? Thankfully, We have this. God has not left us to grope our way through life in the dark. He has given us his word. It's profitable for instruction. So we've talked about the Bible as being prophetic. The Bible as being profitable. And I just want to talk to you about how to read the Bible. Because I'm going to assume that um, all of us want to do that and do more of it. How many of you would raise your hand to say, I want to get more of this in me? All right, I'm, in, I'm talking to the right people. <laughs> so I want to, this will be short and sweet, but I want to kind of give you some pointers. This is not scripture in verse. This is, as I said at the outset, this is just from my own experience, but hopefully some things that might be useful to you as you allow the Lord to uh, make more room for his word in your life. The first thing about how to read the Bible is decide to Start. It begins with a decision. Now the problem with a lot of us is that we've decided to start a lot of different times and we uh, end up stopping along the way. That doesn't negate. That, listen to me, the starting and stopping, that does not negate the decision you make right now to start or to start again or to start in a more concerted way. Don't let the enemy... um, Shame you into not choosing to start. Make a decision to start. Now, having decided to begin to, to get more of the Bible into your life, remember that consistency is what's key. You know? You want to have, look, this is a terrible analogy. I don't know, I don't know why these things come to me this way. But you want to have an IV drip of the Bible, right? You just want it always in your veins. That's the only way that this is going to happen is if it's consistent. That's, that's the key. Um, you don't want to go through spurts of, you know, I, I'll, I'll read the Bible for a week and then I won't for a month. Look, there's some value to that, but not as much as if it's just every day. It's just dripping into your life. Um, so, consistency is key. So, decide to start, but have a plan. If you don't have a plan, I can tell you, I can promise you, you're not going to get very far. It'll fall apart. And I think there's probably three different ways to think about planning to be a person who, who, uh, reads the Bible more. One is you can have sort of a random plan, and that would be like, you know, every day you just get up and you, and you read that verse. And that could be okay. But you know what happens? Sometimes you can get your finger on some pretty, pretty weird stuff. And that's not going to maybe <laughs> sus- do it for you. So I, if that's all you're going to do, then, then that's, that's great. But, but let me suggest that you might want a different plan. <laughs> <clears throat> And I would say that the other two strategies or plans for reading the scripture would have to do with having a sectional approach, number one, which, is, which means, because the Bible is, is divided up into sections. There's the books of Moses, books of history, books of poetry, uh, you know, the prophetic books, the gospels, and so on. Anyway, what I would suggest is uh, perhaps pick a section. And here would be a worthy one. In 2014, decide to read all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you have never uh, gotten into the Bible, start there. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, or any one of them. But what a goal that would be, because those books, they talk about the life and ministry of Jesus, the record of his ministry. The more you can find out about Jesus, the better off you're going to be. So that would be a, a way to decide. I'm going to read a section of the Bible. You could say, you know what? I'm going to read the book of Proverbs. That's a section of the Bible. I'm going to read the book of Proverbs in the next month. There's 31 books of Proverbs. There's 31 days in a month. I could read one a day and get through it in a month. You could say, I know what? I'm going to read the book of Psalms. There's 150 Psalms. I'm going to read five a day. I'm going to get through that in a month or more like. Six months. But anyway, you're going to decide, right? I'm going to get through this section. I'm going to tackle this section. That's a good, good way to, to deal with it. A good way to have a plan that's going to keep you on task as you make your way through uh, your life. But another way, so there's random, there's sectional, and then there's holistic. And, and this is not for the novice because here's what normally happens. People, this is a pretty intimidating book. You put this in somebody's hands and you kind of go, oh, man, where do I begin? And, you know, so what most people do is, oh, okay, I'll begin at the beginning, you know, and they start on page one and and they do fine for a while until they get to, like, numbers, you know. (laughs) And it's talking about, you know, how many of these kinds of things and that kinds of things and these people were, you know, the descendants of so-and-so and people will wipe out at that point. It has meaning and it's value and it's important in context, but if you're just you know plowing through from beginning to end, that can be a little bit tough to do. But if you have a plan and a strategy, you know, look, getting to numbers and you know some of these other books can feel like walking through deep mud. (laughs) (laughs) It's valuable mud Cause here's the thing. I, I can't tell you how many times I've been I've been reading along and I go, oh man. I I, I don't understand that, I don't get it, I who cares, you know. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> and then but but I'll have gotten it into me. It's it's gotten lodged in here, you know. I can't tell you the times when maybe even as soon as the next day, but sometimes even as as much as years later I'll be in a situation, and the Lord will bring that back to my mind, and I'll go, "Oh man, I get it, I see it." But I wouldn't have that aha moment if I didn't have it in me. That's right. So trudging through deep mud is important sometimes. The thing is, keep going, (laughs) keep going. But let me suggest you another way—another way of dealing with the scripture in a holistic fashion. That is to have a reading plan. There's all sorts of them. And I, but I'm just going to tell you about one that I've been using for a long time. I read through the Bible every year and, and of course they pay me to do that so you know, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. You know I'm just kidding, right? Phew, scared me there for a minute. Scared me. <laughs> so, uh, but I've been reading through the Bible uh, every year for a long time and and I've found uh, something that works for me. And this is important. Find what works for you. Okay? Yeah. Find what works for you. But they'll make this suggestion. As I said before, the Bible is grouped into sections. It's not chronological. So when you're reading along and you start from page one and work your way through Zenith, you're going you're gonna to <laughs> f- sometimes lose track of the story. The, the narrative is going to take some weird twists and turns because it's not chronological. Okay? But there, somebody, a group of people, I'm not sure who, created a thing called the Chronological Bible. And, and there's a thing called the One Year Chronological Bible where they have taken all the parallel passages, and, and if you don't know what that means, don't worry about it, and all of the different sections of the Bible, and they've put them in chronological order. So when you begin at page one, you follow the story all the way through. And <clears throat> keeps things in context better, for me anyway. And uh, so, so it's available, uh, you know, you can buy a paper version of it. I read it on my phone, so I have it with me everywhere, and it takes me 15 minutes a day. I get through the Bible a, uh, in a year, 15 minutes a day. I've got it wherever I am. I use my, my Kindle app on my phone, and I, I, I've got it. I, I, nobody's paying me to, to make this little advertisement. I won't get a dime, uh, and it's for whatever you want it to be for. But here's the thing. I, it's the fifth day of, of January 2014. I've already missed one day in my reading plan. January 2nd, I didn't read the Bible. <laughs> I didn't go back to make it up. I won't. I just keep going forward. Here's what happens. People start on a plan, they miss a day or two, and then they figure, oh, man, I've got to go catch up. I'll never catch up. They get buried and they quit. Don't do that. Look, I'm going to do this for my whole life the likelihood of me reading that passage that I missed on January 2nd next year is pretty high. I'm going to get it. (laughs) The important thing is that I keep going and I keep getting it into me, that ivy drip, right? So, now having talked about having a plan, let me finish this up by talking about having a purpose. This will be quick and we'll get out of here. I think there's really kind of two purposes that, and you'll, you'll understand what I mean in just a minute. When, when I say that you need to have a purpose about your Bible reading. And of course the purpose is I want to be a better Christian. I want to follow God with my whole heart. And all that stuff we've already talked about. But here's what I mean. I mean you can read for either distance or depth. You usually can't do both. I have chosen to read the Bible for distance. I want to get as much as I can in me as often as I can. And so I'm just, that's why I do the the Bible in a year thing. But it's just as valid to read for depth, which is, look, I've decided I'm going to try to read the Gospels this year. But if I don't get past verse 1, if I spend my whole year on verse 1 and I'm just every day, that is just feeding me, taking me deeper in Jesus, hallelujah. Go for depth or distance. But you won't probably be able to do both. And that's okay. Let the Lord help you with that. I'm a distance person. My wife predominantly is a depth person. She does pretty good with that depth thing. But have a purpose. So have, have a, decide to start, have a plan, and have a purpose. But let's get more of this into us this year.